0: Welcome to the Love is a Trip podcast, where two life coaches talk the ups and the downs of love. Come enjoy the ride
1: with Ash and Dax. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. We're so excited to have you. Y'all, the church still be tripping. Man,
0: still <laughs> tripping. So we're hitting you with a part two
1: today. Part two, church still be tripping. Still so, be tripping. One thing I think about, and this kind of came out a little bit in what we were saying, but really the beliefs and the things that we were taught, mm-hmm. they affect how we approach relationships and they can also cause us to normalize abuse yes. in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go through some of the specific beliefs, the things that are, are taught either explicitly or implicitly. Um, some of the beliefs that are taught in the church and how they affect relationships. Mm-hmm. So one of the first ones that we really hit, we hit on a little bit last time, but the idea that marriage is forever. Yeah. And also on the flip side of that, that divorce is the worst possible relational outcome. Right. I don't know about you, but that God hates divorce <laughs> scripture Ooh. is something that was Just pushed so hard. Mm -hmm. And whenever, even when I was in my marriage and telling people what was going on, they're like, well, you can't get divorced, right? Like, (laughs) no offer of any type of help or support. Just, well, you can't get divorced. Like, you sound like you're trying to give up. You can't get divorced, right? Versus, like, not trying to offer any type of help, but this foundational belief that you can't get divorced was, you know, really. I had I had that belief, but mm-hmm. people were also reinforcing it. And yeah. it was causing me to continue to subject myself mm-hmm. to harm.
0: Yeah. I think that whole thing, God hates divorce, is probably one of the main things that kept me in my marriage as long as it did. Mm. Because I did not want to upset God. That was the main thing. I was mm. like, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to give up. And you say... You should have stayed. I was about to do a mighty work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not a mighty work. A mighty work.
0: You know, I was just afraid that if I made the wrong decision and how it would be detrimental to my close relationship with God. Like now I'm not going to be close to God anymore because I did something that he hates, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know does he hate divorce or does he hate me being in a marriage that is emotionally and physically abusive and is ruining me and is hurting my children and it's hurting my ability to function. Mm. Does he really want me to stay in that? Mm. You know, it's like nowhere in the Bible does it say, yeah, you got to stay through everything. You got to stay. If he's hitting you, abusing Mm. you, doing drugs, if you just know that this is not in alignment with what is right for you. You know, it, it's no way that it says that. And mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this. If we know that God is love and we know how much God speaks about love in the Bible and his affection for how we treat love. Would he really want you to stay in a relationship or marriage where love is not the center focus? Mm-hmm. Love being the right type of love because abuse is not love
1: mm-hmm.
0: in no way, shape or form.
1: 1000%. You know, you reminded me of another thing that I don't have written down, but I want to get into <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Another belief or thing that we're taught is that the Bible is the ultimate relationship manual mm. or handbook. Mm-hmm. When it's like, you know, we talked about last time the bias that's there because men, you know, wrote the Bible Mm -hmm. right and not not even talking about the men that wrote like the actual words Mm -hmm. you know but we're talking about the men that put these manuscripts together and things like that all that was by a council of white men in Mm -hmm. particular um in patriarchal societies Mm -hmm. who had their own agendas so you know when we're taught that the Bible is the ultimate instruction manual first of all That that would make sense because it's real incomplete. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's real incomplete it's also not talking to us. Like I've come to see the Bible as a book that people are telling their stories about their relationship with divinity and their time and their context. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we have to do what they did. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean just cause someone in there had thoughts about something that now we have to do this thousands of years later. Right. It doesn't have to be prescriptive. The mm-hmm. Bible doesn't like require or mandate us to do anything. The Bible is a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we attach this belief that it's an instruction manual and we have to adhere to it, it sets up a lot of problems, especially when, you know, there's so many things that are subject to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times not great interpretation because we don't have the context, the original language. And even then, why does that matter? We got our own language. We got our own context that the Bible wasn't considering. Right, right. And, you know, I think
0: a lot of times when you subscribe to that belief, what it takes out is relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It sticks you to this is the way it's supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't allow room for you to actually have a personal relationship mm-hmm. with God. You have a personal relationship with a book, mm-hmm. not with God.
1: Yeah. And the people in the book had that relationship with exactly, God. That's what they're talking about.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so I think a lot of us will be so strict and not allow ourselves the space to even get to know God for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What we know is God through the eyes of other people. And if you were to really sit down, you know, and ask somebody, how did you know God is real for you? How would you answer that? Mm -hmm. Is your answer going to be because my mama told me, because my daddy told me, because I went to church. But how do you know that he's real for you, especially in relationships? How does he present himself for you in the relationship? And how do you know if you, I had a close enough relationship with God. So when he told me to leave, I knew exactly that was him. Mm -hmm. It was no question. I didn't have to call anybody or ask anybody. Hey, what do you think? It was like, no, no, no. I know his voice. He told me to go. He told me to leave. And when I left, he told me don't go back. And Mm -hmm. this is the ways that he told me not to go back. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that I discovered that led me to my divorce were things that God showed me. I didn't ask for any of it. Mm -hmm. There were things that he was like, I need you to see something come 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 on right over here (laughs) Mm -mm. let me let me drop this little evidence right here in your lap Mm. nothing that i discovered about my ex-husband's indiscretions were things that i was looking for Mm. i thought everything was cool Mm -hmm. i thought we was kosher kids were good we had just had another child i thought i was getting ready to go sign an earnest note for us to buy another house wow I had an appointment like within two days mm-hmm. I had picked the house out and everything was mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, we, we're going to get this house, you know? And the Lord was like, no, nah, don't girl, do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that girl. Mm-mm. It was like, girl, you in trouble, girl. Let me, let me, let me drop something on you. And mm-hmm. so it's like when you invest more time in having a personal relationship with God, he will give you, what you need to know when that relationship is something that you should enter in and when it's something that you should leave. And that's why I think it's so important for you, not just to use the Bible, the Bible is there for you, but what are you doing to nurture the relationship that you have just one on one with God? Mm-hmm. And once you nurture that, I do believe that you will get those voices you will you will hear from him that will say that's not where i want you to go Mm -hmm. and i think when we get so caught up in doing things on this is the way it's supposed to be this is the way i've been taught yeah what you do is you actually lose the voice of god Mm -hmm. you lose the ability to hear him for yourself yeah because you're hearing him through the voice of other people Mm -hmm. i don't need anybody else to talk to me guess who god speaks to me directly Mm -hmm. so you don't have to come and tell me god told me to Mm tell No, he didn't. No, God didn't tell you nothing. Me and him, we got a good relationship. So if he needs to tell me something, he knows what to say to me and how to speak to me. Because the way that God speaks to me could be different from the way that God speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And that's why relationship with him is so important in allowing you to determine and discern if someone is right for you. Because I think we get those those little whispers when somebody isn't right very early. We just choose not to listen to oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: you know, I talked about that mm-hmm, in my in my story. Yeah, and I think what you're saying is so right. Like when we're we're trying to hear the voices of everyone else, not yes. only do we not have that relationship with the divinity, we also lose our own voice, mm-hmm. which, as I come to see it now, is not all that separate from divinity. Right. 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 Like so, really, at the end of the day, like us tuning into. Our spiritual relationship helps us come into alignment with ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they don't—they're not going to teach us that in church. Of course not. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Let's see. One of the other things we kind of talked about this when we talked uh, about how cheaters be tripping. Cheaters be tripping. Um, We are taught this belief. I think this is more implicit, right? That our partners are supposed to fulfill all of our needs. So kind of this, is it, I think it's the Billy Graham rule. And I think Mike Pence has talked about it where he's not going to be alone. Well, okay. okay, Right. So that that already tells you where we are. That's
0: already problematic. That already tells you where we are. But he's
1: (laughs) talked about this rule that essentially where like he's not going to be in an elevator with a woman alone. Uh, you know what I heard about that, right? Yeah. And it's kind of this really extreme version of fidelity, right? Saying like, this is the only person that can fulfill my relational needs. I can't even talk to anyone else. Cause that's evil. Mm-hmm. That does a few things. One is like, it dehumanizes other people. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it sees people as only sexual objects, mm-hmm. only like, Um, you know, things for our consumption, right? Like not people with their own full lives and perspectives that could potentially benefit us. But it also causes us to be really desperate for affection, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we're in these marriages that are either difficult or destructive, abusive, you know, it puts us in this place where we have to be so desperate for their affection Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're continuing to subject ourselves to harm because, we've cut off all other relational connections, even ones that are innocent, you know, connections that are innocent that can give us, fulfill us with the relational things that we need. And, You know, when I think about this, this a lot of times is what abusers really do. You know, they isolate you. Mm -hmm. They cut you off from your family and your loved ones to make you kind of desperate for that connection, which reinforces the abusive cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is it's kind of an implicit thing that is taught to us. that You know, we can't get any relational needs met outside of our spouse. Yeah. And and I
0: think that's that's unfair, you know, to, to get married and to tell that person, you're going to be my everything. Mm. And we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. You even hear it in music. You know, this person is my everything. And it's like, oh, do you really want that? Like, is that healthy for this person, for this one person to be your everything? everything and is that really a realistic spot to put anybody in that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of pressure I a matter of fact I remember dating a guy and I I, we didn't date much longer after he said this he said I could never see myself mad at you and I was like Mm. uh (laughs) I get mad at me so (laughs) 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 so how in the world you can't see yourself being mad at me And I didn't want to be in a relationship with somebody that put me on this pedestal that made me seem like I wasn't real. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you're not, you don't like me. You like what you think I am because Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I'm going to do something that's going to piss you off. And I need you to tell me that. I don't want you just being like, no, I could never be upset with you. Really? Mm -hmm. That's, that's not normal and check, please. I'm gonna have to go ahead and ride on out because I don't ever want anyone to put me on that type of level to where that type of level of perfection that I've got to meet all of your needs that I am such this amount of perfection that I've got to be able to check all the boxes for you. I think it's an unfair position to put anybody in. Mm -hmm. And I think it sets you up for failure.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Another thing that now this one this this gonna be interesting. This it's gonna be interesting. We might okay. could do a whole episode on this, but let, but let's get into a little bit. Okay. One thing that is is kind of reinforced over and over is that relationships are hard, and <sighs> marriage is hard. Now yeah. I remember being told this whenever you know I was engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking to couples, are like, "Oh, marriage is hard, but yeah. it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. hard, but it's worth it." And people wouldn't define what the hard was, right? Right. And 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 some of these same people been married two and three times and didn't say anything, <laughs> you know. But but it's like, oh, it's hard, but it's worth it. And mm-hmm. so what happens is we begin to normalize difficulty, mm-hmm. we normalize struggle, we yeah. normalize abuse. Yeah. Like you know, just kind of the struggles and the difficulty that could be avoided with like communication and things like that. Right. But it's like, well, if it's supposed to be hard, then you know why do anything to make it better? Like this must be right. This is what yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then in in extreme circumstances, it can cause us to be like, okay, well, I wanted to be married. You know, if this is abusive, I guess maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What it is
0: is a gold star for struggle love. Mm. That's what it says. <laughs> i mean that's essentially <laughs> what it said if you get married you're signing up for struggle love mm-hmm. and i think that is a horrible message to give to people and and you hear it all the time oh it's hard it's hard it's hard i don't like to think of it as hard i think i've said it before i like to think of it it's work mm-hmm. anything that you want to be good you're just gonna have to put work into it yeah and if i'm passionate about something that work doesn't feel like work to me. Mm. Like if I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing, sometimes I'll get wrapped up in it so deep that I'll forget. Oh my God, I haven't eaten all day. You know, if I'm reading a really good book and the book is good and I can't put it down, you know, Oh my God, I got to put this book down because I got to do something else over here. If you're truly passionate about having a good relationship, having a good marriage, you're going to put effort into it. And it's not going to feel like it's a burden to you because I love you. Mm -hmm. I want our marriage to be great. So I'm going to, I'm willing to put in the work to get it to be that where it should be. That shouldn't be characterized as hard. Mm -hmm. That's characterizes what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, when you want something, you work for it. If I want to meet a goal, I sit down and decide, how am I? What are the steps I'm gonna take to make to make it to this goal? Yeah. What do I have to do? How much do I have to sacrifice? What do I have to put into it? Do I need to spend more hours doing this? Do I need to open up other areas in my life to where I can truly be committed to this? I don't think that's hard if that's mm-hmm. what I want to do and I'm passionate about it. That's the work that I signed on and to be committed to. And if yeah. I love you, why would I say it's hard to love you?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's tough. And I think, like you said, it comes down to really defining what that means. Yeah. I think a lot of the danger comes in where people just say, oh, it's hard, but it's worth it. Well, their hard was like somebody had three and four babies outside of their <laughs> marriage. And, I mean, this this is some people's story, right? Yeah, it right? Is. You're hard. right. And it's like, well, can we define what hard is? Because sometimes... Like, I hear you on the work thing, and, like, one thing I think is hard is, you know, like, opening up to somebody being vulnerable. That's Mm -hmm. challenging for me, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it, right? right? So, that can be something that's hard. It doesn't have to be as hard because this person is putting me down. Right. And I'm trying to figure out how to get their affection and play the game and Mm -hmm. tiptoe and walk on eggshells. Mm -hmm. That's two different types of hard, right? Yeah. And so I think it comes down to defining like, what does that hard look like? Yeah. And, and
0: you know, and I just, I, I don't, I don't particularly like the word hard. Okay. I think I have a problem with hard because when you think of hard, you think negative things. Mm-hmm. If I say, oh, this is a hard class. Do you want to take that class? Absolutely No. Not. <laughs> if I say this is a hard uh, movie to get through, is that making you want to watch that movie? Not Absolutely all. not. But if I say, definitely it's a challenge. It is challenging, but mm-hmm. I think you can do it. Mm-hmm. That makes me say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. not going to be necessarily something I'm going that I'm going to whiz through. But this person is telling me that the challenges of it are something that is going to be worthwhile for me in yeah. the outcome. Yeah. You know, You're going
1: in mindfully,
0: exactly, exactly. And so I just I I wish people would reformat that wording instead of saying hard, just saying it's a challenge. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. something that you can do. You know, but once you tell somebody something is hard. You're setting up this this defense mechanism of, mm. I don't want to do it. Working out every day is hard.
1: Mm. Mm. I don't want to do
0: that. That doesn't make me want to get up in the morning and, and go work out. Yeah. But if someone said, working out is a challenge but look at the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Then I may be like, okay, that's the main reason why we come up with challenges to get people to do stuff. It's it's a Fitbit challenge. We're (laughs) (laughs) going to work to see who gets to 10,000 steps first. Mm -hmm. There's something mentally about framing something as more, it's a challenge necessarily than,
1: it's hard but it do be hard for real though I mean, you know what i'm saying yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying some people stuff really be hard yeah and you know some and that's why they say it like that but we just kind of brush it off because they're like oh it's worth it like oh you're still doing it so <laughs> i guess but some people be really be hard like that and maybe yeah. that should deter you know that you should have deterred right. me yeah, you know what somebody- i'm saying <laughs> some of that should have deterred me for real for real yeah yeah And you kind of mentioned something else, the struggle love, right? Mm -hmm. Like this idea that we have to suffer to receive a reward or an award, right? That like, if we have something good, it can only be because there was struggling or suffering first. That is so harmful. And that's not just in the church. I think that's in broader society in general, especially among black women. A lot of us tend to hold that, that belief and, I know it's something that was reinforced by the church mm-hmm. for me, this idea of sanctification that yeah. like you go through something hard, like God is refining you, preparing mm-hmm. you. God is honored by you struggling. That's right. so like the gold star in that sense is God's approval. Mm-hmm.
0: And why is the struggle always for the women? Cause I ain't never heard men say, I'm going to struggle through this marriage. I'm going to struggle and make it through. Oh, she cheated on me, but I'm going to struggle oh, and stay. Oh, she got <laughs> pregnant by another man, but I'm going to struggle and stay. But for us, for women, it's like, yeah, we got to struggle. So why are we we the only ones signing up for the struggle? Mm
1: -mm -mm. You know,
0: I just, I don't understand that because I have heard men counsel other men in marriages. And if that woman, if that wife was doing something that was outside the boundaries of God, they told that man straight up, get a divorce
1: get a divorce or right you need to get her in line you're the leader of the house right not anything about well you what is God teaching you in mm-hmm, this right mm-hmm. but that's the type of thing I heard what is God teaching mm-hmm. you oh why don't you How, just pray why don't you just pray yeah, right why, why she in the streets just yeah, pray yeah, just pray just, just wait home? for yeah wait for, wait for her <laughs> to change yeah yeah ask God to change her heart mm-hmm. and just pray just pray
0: yeah I just if we going Talk about it being a struggle. It needs to be a struggle on both sides, and I just feel like all the struggle is. But
1: if I'm struggling, we all we struggling. gonna struggle.
0: We all gonna struggle. <laughs> Come get some of this struggle if I got the struggle too,
1: Mm-mm. you know. Not and I'm just, just like,
0: if we gonna be, if we gonna do it that way, be balanced. That's all I'm
1: saying. Right, but I think it's so sad that it really sets us up to believe that we don't deserve love and happiness just outright. Right. You know, as we are. Right. Not having to prove anything, not Mm -hmm. having to make up for anything that we don't just deserve it by virtue of being who we are. Right. And I think it's really sad and it sets us up for that and seeking out, you know, harmful situations because we feel like that's how we have to prove our worthiness of receiving love.
0: Right. Right. And again, it's always women having to prove that we can struggle through something. I've Mm -hmm. never seen anything saying a man needs to prove that he can struggle through a woman's issues. Mm-hmm. It's always, only time I've ever heard it mentioned is when a woman is pregnant. And when she's pregnant, you have, okay, now you just got to struggle through it. Cause she bringing life, you know, but outside of that, I've never seen a man say my wife got pregnant by another man. And I'm just going to stick it out and love that child. as my own.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: I've heard plenty of women do it and will yeah. raise that outside baby as if they are their own.
1: Yeah. And, yeah.
0: but you're not, you're not getting the same messaging, you know, to men as well. Mm. So if we're going to call the heart, make it hard on both sides.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. One last belief. I wanted to get into a belief that, um, you know, something that was told to me when I was struggling in my marriage was that we have to see the best in our partner. You mm-hmm. know, we have to focus on what's good in them, especially when things are hard, right? Focus right. on what's good. I'm like, why can't I just see what's real? Yeah. What's right in front of me. Right. If it's not good, that's on them. Right. 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 Why do I have to essentially gaslight myself mm. and to try to convince myself that what's happening is not really real or mm-hmm. that I shouldn't take that into account. What do you like? That's, yeah, I was told that a lot in church. Mm, and really, I'm like, is that even really in the Bible? I mean, I already told you, like, what I think about the Bible, but is that even in the Bible? That's another thing. People be taking stuff and yeah. saying it's biblical, but like, huh? Yeah, yeah, that that happens a lot. It happens a
0: lot. And we will, in the church, try to convince people to stay in really, really bad and toxic marriages just on the basis of, well, they're, they're still good. They just did this one bad thing, mm. you know. So be, it, none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. Only Jesus was perfect, you know? Okay. So, so it's like, and, it, okay. and what it does is it, it's like this, it creates this victim mentality, yeah. you know, of, I should stay in this marriage or I should stay in this bad relationship because that's what God would want me to do is to just focus on what's good and not look at the bad that's really harmful. And that's, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not the way it should work. Man, the church has really been tripping. It might still be tripping. (laughs) It's going to, and
0: I think it's going to keep tripping. You know, and and I will say, I know there are some churches that do do it well. I won't say that all of them, but yeah, I think there's some out there that do it well. (laughs) I think there are some. I think some of your more progressive. Um, churches out there do see this like I've seen some where their uh, marriage ministries are actually led by licensed therapists Mm, you know mm -hmm. they do have the biblical training but there are so still licensed therapists Mm. so I do believe there are some congregations that do get it right but I think those are definitely more less on the commonality of it than what we normally see but you know shout out to the churches that are doing a good job I don't want to say everybody is doing a bad job but you know I think as society is changing as we're growing I'm hoping that these damaging messages will start to change and that people will make better decisions for themselves because ultimately God wants us to grow and be better people
1: Mm, mm -hmm. you're much more hopeful than I am about the church (laughs) You are, but that's okay. I just hope people find safety. Right, right. And I I think it can be
0: done. I think Mm -hmm. it can be done. I think it just takes people like myself, like you, you know, that will kind of question the authority and say, hey, there's a way to do this better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that change can happen may have not happen as fast as we would like it to, mm-hmm. but I do believe that there are enough voices out there now that are getting the proper exposure yeah. that are giving us the ability to kind of question some of these norms that we've kind of been used to, you know, Hey, look, we're we're here questioning it. People that are listening will maybe think about things differently after listening to this and talk to their friends mm-hmm. and, and say, Hey, you know, this is another way to look at things. So, yeah. you know, change
1: happens one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the coaching corner for this week. What coaching question do you have? Well, one question
0: I get quite a bit from people that are, you know, going through divorce or af- after the divorce period, rather, and um, are trying to get back in the dating game.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah,
0: they're trying to figure out most, the, the one of the top questions I get is just, how do I prepare for a first date?
1: Ooh, fun.
0: Yeah, and so... I want to talk through how to do that. And one of the first things I tell people to do in preparation is first just to relax, chill out. That's good. You know, because I think we get so caught up on, is this person going to be the one? Oh, my goodness. You know, is this going to be the one that's going to change my love story for the better? You know, and it's just like, relax. Look at it as just an opportunity to meet someone new a chance to get out, you know, to kind of dress up and look nice. And it's, it's an outing Mm -hmm. and look at it that way. And don't go in with the expectation that you're looking for some type of romantic connection. First and foremost, the thing on your mind should just be looking for a new friend. Yeah. Looking for a new friend. And if it happens to be something that that grows into something more then fine, but you're not going to get that from the first date. So Relax. Uh, My second thing I tell people is, you know, pick out a cute outfit, pick out something that makes you feel good, not just something that, you know, looks good, but something that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. when you put it on. Science actually says that the best color to wear on a first date is red. Ooh, Yeah, so... Red is love, of course, you know. So I usually, when I go on a first date, try to try to wear a little red, or red shirt, or red jacket, or blazer, or something. Red lips, red a red lip. Yes, Mm -hmm. y'all know I love a red lip. But I try to put a little bit of red in there some way because that's science says that's a good color to wear on a first date. But just wear something that makes you feel good. When you feel good, you're gonna present better. Your energy's gonna be up because you know Mm -hmm. you're cute. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna Mm -hmm. walk in and be like, okay, all right, I look good. So that usually helps. So when you sit down and you meet that new person. Your energy is going to be going to be right. You don't want to wear something that you're going to be fiddling with or adjusting or the whole night. You don't want that because that's going to come off as awkward and make you appear like you're uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. we don't want that. Mm -hmm. The, The next thing I tell people do is to pick a public space. Oh, absolutely! Pick a public space, but you would be surprised how many people will go to some per- somebody's house oh, on a first no, date. Y'all, oh,
1: safety! Yeah,
0: will go to somebody's house or their apartment for a first date. Oh, they said they were gonna cook me dinner. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, public space, and I also tell people go during the day. I think first dates should be day dates. Mm-hmm. Something where you go for coffee, you go for. Uh, uh, maybe some some breakfast you know maybe I'll go have a little muffin and some you know some orange juice or something find a cute little cafe you know do that or uh, go to lunch and the reason why I say this is nighttime is a different energy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you're going to dinner it just human nature is gonna feel different mm-hmm. and with dinner as well a lot of times depending on that person's intentions if they pick a place that's expensive sometimes they tend to think you know that you owe them something after the date you know you got you got some folks to think that even though that's far from true but it's if you keep it during the day it's going to be casual nobody's going to have any expectation that there's a part two to this date leaves everything kind of very open you don't have to worry about anybody getting the wrong idea of the date Um, and day dates are usually shorter if you go to a date at nighttime, at a restaurant, you're going to be stuck. If you don't like that person, now you're stuck in their presence for at least at least two hours. Yeah.
1: yeah. If, if
0: I go in the day, we I have mean, a nice little. I mean, you could just leave in
1: the middle of the day. I
0: mean, you could, but that's tacky. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, if I'm not feeling it. Yeah, true, you could, but but that's not what we're going for here. Right, 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 You know, hopefully by this time you've had enough conversation on the phone. Exactly. You've talked before, before, yep. before all this, you've kind of had a, a, enough to gauge, you know, you've got good vibes on the phone. Now you want to make sure that those vibes on the phone transfer to vibes in person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you could be great on the phone, but then you meet him and it's like, oh, I don't. I ain't really feeling it. I've yeah. had that happen to me before oh, yeah, for where sure. I've had great conversations and we meet in person it's, yeah, and it was happening. Yeah. It's, happening. it's just yeah. no connection. So public space during the day, something that you can do in about an hour, nothing beyond that. Now, if y'all vibing and it seems like y'all want to go longer than that, that's cool. But just, I like to let people to sell, to say, Hey, you want to give them something to look forward to. So keep it in an hour. You can test the vibe, see how it is and then determine if you want a next date. And the next thing I tell people do is just to, on the, on the side of safety, let people know where you're going. Yeah. Let people know where you're going. Let people know who you're with. I have a list of people I, I, I send in the picture of who I'm going out with and I know on my iPhone I can do um where find my friends. Oh yeah. Where you can mm-hmm. share your location. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it on Google too now yeah. where you can share yeah. your location. Different apps you can use. Yeah, different that. apps. Yeah, you share your location where you are so that people know that you're safe. So, mm-hmm. you know, this we live in a different world now and, you know, we kinda have to make sure that we've got the right tools in place to make sure that we're protected. So Those are things I tell people just to, and also to another thing to add is get a a, a cool list of questions to ask Mm -hmm. so that you're not struggling unless you're somebody, if you're a good conversationalist, you may not need this, but I usually tell people to pick maybe three or four good conversation starters Mm -hmm. and there are plenty on Google. You can Google great first conversation starters and then, you know, that's, we could probably have a podcast about that too. Just good, good conversation starters for first dates. But you know, you can Google it, find some things that you think will be good for you to talk about that could keep the conversation going. And don't make it be like an interview. Try to keep the questions more based on personality and not, you know, how long you've been single? Why you've been single? You know, like, don't make that person feel like they're being interviewed. Make it be so more where you're just trying to gauge your energy do you guys vibe, you know, and just get to know the person. So yeah. don't make it feel like a barrage of questions. Make sure your 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 conversations flow and that they're natural and engaging. Mm. So that's what I do. That's what I tell people
1: how to prepare for a first date. You do with this will. I love that. Yeah. Nice practical tips. Yes. Yep. All right. So now let's get to giving out our window seats. Yes. So, oh, do you want to start? No, you go ahead. You okay. Know. I was going to give a window seat to my girl spring. I'm talking about the season, spring. <laughs> <laughs> because winter, you know, what I've noticed for me is that in the winter I kind of hibernate. Really? Even in Texas it doesn't get that cold. Mhm. I still am in a place where after the holidays and then my my birthday is the day after Christmas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of celebrating. After that, I kind of want to chill, be to myself. I'm not trying to start anything new. Mm -hmm. You know, I know January 1, people are like, new year, new me. I'm like, no, we're still in the middle of winter. (laughs) So we need to be sitting down, you know, hibernating, cuddled Mm -hmm. up. Beyonce would say cuddled up. Get on up. The couch. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs>
1: we need to be cuddled up somewhere. And so I'm not always trying to start new things. And I, I have ideas for things that I want to do, but... I just don't feel a lot of oomph during that time to get okay. things going. But okay. now that I, I think spring is here, I feel like she I was kind of yeah. showing her face and then was dipping back out. Man, she's playing see like double dutch there. right now.
0: She's like, I'm a here. I'm a here. I'm a here. All right. right. All right. She's like, who all over there? <laughs> right. I don't know.
1: Uh, but I think she's here now and we've got the longer days with sunlight. And so I'm feeling yes. energy, the motivation to do things, you know, spending time outside that's just helping my mood overall. I'm loving it. I'm here for spring even though I don't care for the bugs and the pollen. <laughs> I don't care for the bugs yeah, and the pollen, but mosquitoes, I, you know, oh, the, the wasps. Oof, yeah. And it didn't even get cold enough for them to go away, so they just been out. Yeah. So, you know, I but I, I'll I'll deal with those things for having the sunshine and the warmth mm-hmm. and and all of that.
0: Okay. All right then. Spring getting the window scene. Okay. Do you have an out seat this week or are we just
1: nah, straight window? No, nah, just, right.
0: <laughs> just <laughs> my window seat for this episode goes to two amazing black female directors, Janine Neighbors and A.V. Rockwell. If you don't know, Janine Neighbors is a genius behind the series Swarm that is on Amazon. And it stars one of our really good friends, X Mayo. If you haven't mm. seen it, please watch it. Like it's, it's such a good deep dive into the mental stability of this black woman and her affection for a character that is, you know, loosely based off of Beyonce. It's why it's called Swarm, you know? So, and it, and it's cool because they do drop some of the, uh, the, the headlines or the rumors around things, around, um, things that have happened with Beyonce and Jay-Z. So it's, it's a great series, but what I love about it is that Janine takes this opportunity to show a different side of how black women are presented. A lot of times we are only shown as either very sexual um, creatures or, you know, we don't get a lot of opportunities to shine. Mm. And what I love that Janine does is she takes this character through such a mental ride from start to finish where you get to truly see the depth of this character and why she makes the decisions that she does. And it's not, Something that we're used to seeing. And it's not scary. So if you're you you have not seen it and you're I like, was
1: wondering because no, I you know
0: it's it's a thriller. Okay. You know, it's gonna keep you on the edge of your seat, but you're not gonna have problems going to sleep at
1: night. We'll so. see. I'm I'm watching during the day just in case. Okay.
0: <laughs> but you'll you'll love it. I, I enjoyed it. It's extremely well written. It's gonna keep you on the edge of your seats. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna be talking about it for a while. Each episode leaves you with something to think about. And I just love that it explores the depth of black women in a different way. The characters that that the way that we are normally seen, it just holds a different side. Now there's some parts of her that are psychotic. So I don't want to say that black women are psychotic, (laughs) but but we get to
1: be human, right? We get to be human and we, yeah. yeah.
0: And we get to, you get to see, Different sides of mm-hmm. of us in a character, and mm-hmm. not just a love interest, or yeah. you know somebody's mama, the silly best
1: friend, some
0: the silly best friend, yeah. or somebody's big mama, mm-hmm. you know, or you know. And so it just it's it's very refreshing to see a series where a black woman is presented in a different way, to mm-hmm. where we can see all these different levels. And also, Av Rockwell um, just put out her movie called A Thousand and One, and it stars Tiana Taylor, who does an amazing job playing a single mother who is struggling to connect with her son after she's been in and out of prison. She comes back into his life. He's been in foster care and you're looking at some of the, the mental health challenges that comes with being a kid in foster care and having this longing for this maternal figure who is very torn on the inside. Mm. And so the book is really, I mean, the movie is really just, the story of how those relationships really kind of connect, how they go. And sometimes you, and you will see the struggle on both the mother and the son, how they struggle to connect with each other and, and to understand how to love each other after both going through trauma on both of their sides. Cause they're having to deal with, she's dealing with the trauma of not being in his life. And he's dealing with the trauma of dealing with, you're in and out and now you're here and now you're gone. I want to love you in this way, but I'm still not really sure how I can love you because I don't fully trust you. Mm. So it's, it's a great exploration of the, the mother and son dynamic. There's some other things that are discussed too. And there's a little bit of a, Of a twist at the end, which will leave you on a ride. It does move a little slow. So if you're not somebody that can really stick with the movie, it might not be your speed, but Tiana Taylor does an amazing job. um, Bringing this character to life. And I think people really, really will enjoy it. And it's just a different way of showing black women beyond us being sexual objects. It shows how deep we are and how we come in different shapes, forms, and colors.
1: Mm -mm -mm. Love that. Shout out to us. Yeah. Shout out awesome thank you all for joining us on this ride as always feel free to reach out to us we'd love to hear from you let us know what resonates with you and what else do you want us to talk about what questions can we answer in coaching corner definitely reach out and enjoy the ride hey y'all thank you so much for listening we would love to connect with you find us on instagram at love is a trip podcast